Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. And welcome to another exciting episode of SFP Now here on SciFiPulseRadio.com. And we've got a great guest for you today in the form of um, Mitchell Cumming, um, who is um, who played a very important guest role last week in in Legends of Tomorrow. And we'll talk a bit more about that later on. Uh, but before we bring Mitchell on, um, we're, we're going straight into our conversation segment. And joining me as always are Craig. And Raisa, how are you guys doing? Hello, li- hello, listeners. I'm good. And yourself? Um, well, I'm actually feeling terrible, to be honest. It's so, like um, I just, I just want to cry. <laughs> I'm yeah. just, just feeling so depressed. I'm going to scratch my wrist right now. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, so like, t- you know, our, our discussion of the week on television stuff, um, you know, we've got um, quite a lot of things happening. I'm going to kick off right away with Game of Thrones, which came back, its sixth season just aired. It's actually been renewed for a seventh season. No surprises there. Um, you know, and they announced that before the sixth season premiered, <laughs> sort of thing. Um, but I've got, right. I've got a feeling in the seventh season will more than likely be be the last one because um, you know our directed cast members that are dropping, <laughs> they're going to have no one left. <laughs> they have they've literally run out of source material at this point, haven't they? Yes, they have. Well, which is one of the reasons why I was glad I don't watch the uh, seasons until they come out on iTunes because I was going to I was going to be um, going to be getting fresh material because I've read the five existing books. Mm. This must be the first adaptation of something that overtakes the thing that's adapting. You know, yeah. well, have you seen the size of the bloody books? <laughs> <laughs> no, not surprised. I mean, e- each and every single book is like um, the size of a single volume of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and, of course, the size of George R.R. R. Martin. Um, <laughs> no, I, th- I think actually the books have actually gotten bigger than him <laughs> by this point. Um, we're talking figuratively here. We're not. We're not having to go at fat people. You know, honest. Just George R. R. Martin. <laughs> Just George R. R. Martin. <laughs> you know, we're 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 being deliberately discriminatory. Uh, I, I actually like the show better than the books, based on based on having read the first five books. So, I've not I've not been brave enough to read the first five books. But last last night was um you know I watched it when it was simulcast. Um, here in England and and um, US, and that meant it was on at two a.m. Oh dear! So I, I I stayed up to watch it because I was so, like really psyched and excited for it. Um, I took a nap in the afternoon, so so I'd still get me eight hours. Did they do that every week, or is it just 
for the first one. And I don't know. I think it's I think it's probably just for the first one. But that's that said, they they have been showing that um, new show vinyl um, in the early hours of the morning, mm. and and then showing it at nine at around about nine p.m. the following, you know, you know, the evening sort of thing. So and I'm not sure they might they might be actually start to simulcast it on a regular basis, but I have to look it up. Uh, but quite as I said, quite a lot happened. Um, we can actually confirm categorically that Jon Snow is dead. Mm. He's not coming back as a zombie or one of the snow snow people. He he's dead. He's as dead as the proverbial doornail. Mm. Which is interesting because there have been set pictures of him in in later scenes. Probably flashbacks. Yeah, flashbacks or some kind of vision or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or may, may, maybe the uh, may, maybe the red woman's having some uh, rather you know naughty dreams. Hmm. Um, talking about the red woman, there, there was a there's another big reveal of her um, at the end of the episode. This may just spoil her for people that haven't seen it, but if you've not seen it by now, you know, <laughs> tough. <laughs> um, you know, you've had a week, so tough. <laughs> Um, basically, but at the end of the episode, the red woman takes off her necklace and it reveals her true self. And um, apparently, she's centuries old, which oh. which made it made it rather interesting because the um, as 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 you know, Ray, so the red woman in the um, in 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 the in the books and in the series, she's quite the towering figure of strength, but also very very mysterious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Whereas now that she's presented herself as a as a, a much 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 older woman, you know, probably a couple of centuries old, um, it kind of like brings a certain vulnerability to that character, um, you know, and you know make, makes it a little bit more interesting and makes her even more mysterious. Yeah. Sort yeah. Of thing. But you know what? What I'd be interested to know is I'd, I'd be interested to know if anyone anyone knows about this, or if, or if it's just something she's been keeping a secret all this time with the uh, with the necklace and everything. It hasn't been revealed uh, in the five existing books. I think we've got a spoiler that for something that hasn't been written yet. Yeah, but it's it's, it's interesting stuff. Um, Daenerys um, ended up being picked up by, um, by by some of her her late husband's people, mm-hmm. but obviously a different tribe because none mm-hmm. of them recognised her. <laughs> you know, and um, she's got to go to the uh, the the, the uh, widow widows of the, of the cows now. Um, yes. And there was a big section on that in the books as well, although I think it's probably going to play out differently on screen. I, I think it, I think it will do because they've got to get Daenerys back in back back into the um, back into the battle for the uh, throne, really. Yes, you know they yes. can't really sideline her too 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 much. Um, and also, Aya's been having the crap beat out of her uh, now that she's blind. Yeah. Um, which was, which, you know, is more than has actually happened with Aya for a while because last, last, last year she was just sort of like doing all this stupid, crappy kid shit for, for a whole season until, till eventually something happened and she assassinated some bloke and, you know, she was punished by the order. Yeah. Personally, I think I'm actually of the opinion that she deserves what she gets, um, both in the books and on screen because she was stupid enough to sign up for the order in the first place. She should have just done something else with her life. Uh-huh. Um, so I just I, I don't have much sympathy for. And Sansa's alive, and she's hooked up with the uh, with with Bree. Oh, cool! Um, so finally, so Brienne, Brienne, finally, yeah. Brie and Brie and Brie and Sansa are finally uh, finally together. 
um, along with uh, along with Reek. Um, or or Reek, um, was that? Well, I can't remember. Theon. Theon. His name is Theon. His, his real name's Theon. So so quite a lot happened. There was that big 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 thing, big reveal at the end. Um, I'm excited for next week because we're gonna see we're gonna run into Bran for the first time in like two years. Yes. Yeah. They. They decided, and rightfully so, that his scenes of being trained as a seer would look too boring and drag the show down pacing-wise. So they just decided to just have that happen off-screen. And torturers with um, with, with, with the uh, training scenes for Aya instead. Yes, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's Game of Thrones in a nutshell. Uh, this week's episode um, opened up with quite a lot happening. Uh, Tyrion's still alive, so I'm really pleased about that. <laughs> If if they kill him, they'll save him for last. He'll die for last. Mm-hmm. And they'll probably they'll probably <clears throat> kill him off doing something rather heroic as well. Yes, yes. You know, because I'd always I'd always a manipulative little bastard. <laughs> he's, he's manipulative for all the right reasons. He's mm-hmm. he's manipulative because that's literally the only way you can stay alive. Mm-hmm. Basically, so and and he's probably the best character in it. Him and Daenerys are my favorite characters in the yes, series. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Although, truthfully, I'm bracing myself for Blake Seven with dragons because at the rate they're going, everyone's going to die by. <laughs> yeah, I think basing the dragons will just raise the entirety of uh, Westeros yeah. in the final it episode. Would, it wouldn't <laughs> shock me. It really wouldn't shock me. Um, making, free, making everything you've seen pointless. Well, you well, know. <clears throat> that's the kind of narrative it's been. So. Pretty much, but that's what they did with Nost, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, move, moving on to uh, other shows, uh, you guys want to discuss Supergirl, which uh, opens up a, 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 a huge can of worms. So let's hit it. Yeah. Yes. Um, there are two issues here. The episode, the finale itself and the renewal prospects. Handling them separately, I thought the episode itself, minus the cliffhanger, was actually fairly solid. I thought parts of it were, but I had issues with you know with quite a lot of it. I mean, it oh. was over. It was overly sentimental when she was saying goodbye to everybody. You know, I don't well, have a problem with the concept, but the execution was just the, the execution's been botched the whole season. Yeah. I, I, I don't, the reason I don't bring it up to the same level you do is because the issues are systemic, and there's just no point in wasting breath on systemic problems. They're either going to solve them or they're not. Mm. So. Yeah. It's a bit like with the likes of Arrow and 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 the Flash. You 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 know the systemic problem with those is you always have to have the bleeding, um, you know, the romantic interest um, interfering with 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 plot development and story. Yeah, well, Flash actually manages to push that into the background more often than not. You know, you have you have what's actually going on taken front and center, where you know he doesn't digress to pine over some love interest, and you know. He did that a little bit with Patty earlier in the season, but other than that, he's been pretty on topic. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I kind of got the impression from from Barry's storylines that he kind of needed to pine, if only in going to distract himself from the bigger problems, because he's got genuine bigger problems. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think that yeah, I think that Flash has always been very good with its storytelling. It's always kept the characters front and center, and the whole love triangle thing has been tolerable some of the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas with um with with the whole song like Arrow thing, it's pretty much intolerable. Oh yeah, yeah. to the it's, point it's, where I just want I want Felicity Smoke to die. Yeah, and and that's coming from a lot of people, including people who started out liking her character very much. Um, the thing is, I think when this character's used properly, she's she's very very good. 
you know, the, the scenes where she's working with Curtis on some kind of scientific problem, they're the best. Yes. But, you know, you know, when she's involved in this kind of turgid love story, it's just really, really melodramatic. Yeah. <laughs> But to get back to Supergirl, I thought that for what they did in the time they had, it was it was a solid finale. Um, it, it was saccharine, and we just have to accept that. Um, once you moved past that, I liked the actual point of some of the character beats. I like that she was promoted by the end of the episode and will be getting a different job going into, we assume, yeah. season two. Yeah, to do um, whatever job she decides that she wants to do, which is not how promotions work. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but again, Supergirl, what do you want? Yeah. Um, I actually wrote a DC Musings column about what I think her earlier in the season, I wrote a, a DC Musings column about what I thought her job going into another phase should be. Uh, and that um, both as Kara and Supergirl, she should spearhead a a sort of blog like the Chronicles of Cisco, uh, like they did mm. for The Flash where um, where uh, Kara becomes the point person to help Supergirl, you know, in, in maintaining her secret identity, yeah. to help Supergirl uh, um, uh, create a blog where she can um, promote Krypton and salvage Krypton by, by doing a, a comparative study of Krypton, Kryptonian culture and Earth culture. And, the, and CBS could, um, could actually liaise with academics at various grade levels and create you know, material to facilitate that for various members of the audience. Um, whether or not anything like that would actually happen, I don't know. I actually, I actually tweet, tweeted the article I wrote when I wrote it to Kreisberg uh, and other producers just because they're on Twitter, so they have it. But whether yeah. or not they actually do that uh, is, is uh, remains to be seen. I, w- I would certainly like uh, them to do that because that would be a way to, to, to meld her, her, her Danvers identity with the Zorel identity more coherently. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, she, she could become a she could become a barista. I mean, the, re- the reason I the, the reason I say that is because uh, I seen a film on on the um, on 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 the movie on on one of the movie channels this afternoon. We've got a movie channel here called Movies Twenty Four. Yes, and it basically specialises in really syrupy sort of like you know TV movies. Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. They kind of air on Hallmark and Lifetime Channel. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought you were actually referencing Kendra's catchphrase from oh, well, that's tomorrow. Too, yeah. <laughs> but they, they, they basically they had the uh, the lady that played played Supergirl in Smallville um, oh, yeah. in this sort of like rom com where she was she was a barista. <laughs> Oh so, I, I think I think uh, I think there's actually a connection between Supergirl and coffee going on. I, I could um, I could actually see her putting herself in the position of running Capco's charitable side. Yes, yes. You know, as another way to help people. Either that, yes. or she'll just be this kind of nondescript corporate person that goes to meetings that aren't really about anything. <laughs> Yeah, well, that, 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 that'd be perfect, because then she wouldn't need to be there, so she could actually be super gay all the time. My money's on charity. I think she'll yeah, help yeah. people in some other way. Because we, we have to remember that apart from being Supergirl, um, she was... The House of L were an important family on Krypton. She and and she, and my impression is that they have, if not a rigid caste system, a more rigid class system than we have. And that her family probably trained her at an early age um, 
for administration or or um, some or some some version of you know of what the the modern royal family does, where they they you know impact noblesse oblige philanthropy. So it would actually make sense, apart from her identity as Supergirl, that she would actually aim for something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, it remains up in the air, as does the occupant of the pod, which was, you know, a cliffhanger that you would expect to see on the new adventures of Superman rather than this. Given so, given how given how saccharine the series is, I actually wouldn't mind if it was if it was Streaky the Cat. God, I, I really wouldn't. Watch, um, their, watch their viewer base die overnight if that happens. No, I I know it'll be it'd be Lois and Clark visiting from a parallel dimension. <laughs> <laughs> um. But the question is, um, you know, it's um, it's up in the air now whether it's going to be renewed or cancelled. Um, as... It'll probably be renewed, but I think the fact that they're taking their sweet time with the official announcement implies that there is going to be a catch to the renewal, either mm-hmm. season length or platform or something. Yeah, well, although it's still pretty early, isn't it? I mean, like Flash, Arrow, etc., they all got early renewals. You know, That's that, true. That happened yeah. last year, though. I mean, basically, C- CW just re- just renewed their entire Bloody Slater programming. Yeah, you know, saves them hiring people to come up with anything else. True. Uh, although, though this this next season of Vampire Diaries could well be the last, <laughs> which um, you know I'm not particularly bothered about <laughs> either way. Uh, yeah. But my niece will be my niece will be crying her eyes out about that because she loves Vampire Diaries. Mm. But it's aimed at people her age anyway, so. There's about 15 seasons or something like that, so there's plenty of visit. <laughs> I, feel, I think it's probably close to about eight or nine now, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, Supernatural's had about 15 seasons, and it's actually season 12, 12 now. They've gone to 12. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I gave up after one, so. <laughs> it, it actually got better, and then it got worse, and then it got better again. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's currently riding the crest of being better again. Mm-hmm. It's still coming up with different stuff, and it's a living season. And how many shows can say that? Not many. Um, but as, as I was saying, the the the, the whole thing um, with with Supergirl's renewal—it's kind of up in the air, but it kind of isn't because Les Mooms has gone on record as saying that all five of their new shows that 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 they that that they bought out this year, which includes Supergirl, although we didn't say that. I ring with a good chance of being renewed. Yeah. Um, the, the his... downside, downside, however, is that Supergirl, the ratings were soft relative to CBS, and Supergirl is very expensive, so if they're, they're probably working out budget issues. But here's, where, here's where the fun part comes in. Um, we ran an article about it, and uh, basically it was, uh, it was Ty who ran the article. I had nothing to do with it because I wasn't going to run the article or anything till, till sort of like um, I'd heard something official either way. So he runs the article, he gets something like, you know, good couple of thousand views. It trends on Facebook, goes absolutely crazy. And while it's going on absolutely crazy, we've got people emailing us and and hitting us on WordPress, accusing us of clickbaiting, saying that, you know, you can't, rec- you can't report something that isn't true, you know, you, you, and stuff like this. And... So, so I had to deal, you know, we had to deal with putting out that bushfire last week to a point where we, we eventually, um, ended up having to print a retraction, you know, just, just in order to satiate these people sort of thing. And, you know, like, 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 like you, you say, as a saying, Reese, it's probably in with a pretty good chance of being renewed. It's just a matter of the platform or the, um, or, or the episode count. 
I think that if it is renewed, it could end up on their own access platform. Yes, because that would give them a good way to launch it prior to the Star Trek series. Oh, yeah, oh, I, mean, like, oh, I actually kind of thought that 20 episodes was a bit too many anyway. You know, it, it would probably work with, say, 15. It probably would have better with 13. Yeah, I mean, I think a reduced count would allow them to focus it a bit more, but they need to... They also need to have a better idea of what the season's going to be about rather than just meandering through the way they did. The scary thing is when you read, um, because I actually don't mind spoilers, I actually read post-mortem articles by the producers on the various shows. When you read the articles, the sense of what the season is comes across a lot more coherently than the season itself. Mm, Which is obviously not what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, here's his scary thing. They're, they're already talking about having Superman uh, appear in next season. Well, that kind of has to happen because you can't just have, you know, a boot in the background of a scene and say, oh, look, there's Superman. You know, you can't keep doing that because it's just, it's just dumb. Yeah, yeah. Although, um, to, to segue into Legends, uh, the most recent spoiler is that the, the mystery hero that's going to launch the season two storyline is going to have a cape. Yeah. So they haven't said Superman specifically, but they're they're implying it, I think. I doubt so, it'll be Superman. Can't see they're it, just, to be honest. They're just saying that so that people will keep watching, I think. Mm. It might be Shazam. That's, another, that's, another, that's another one. That's unlikely because there's going to be a film about Shazam, and they're very precious about keeping those two things separate, aren't they? Yeah, but oh, been, they've true. been trying to make that bloody film for the past 20 years. Yeah, but sure. the, the, the Rock will be... The Rock Johnson's in it, in it so... Yeah, well, the, the Rock will be Asian by the time they make that bloody <laughs> thing. You know, he's, he's going to be walking with a Zimmer frame by the time they get round to this, you know? Which is, which is sad, because every article you read with him discussing Black Adam, he's obviously very excited. He yeah. wants to play that role. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy because that, that, that thing about, about, about Black Adam and Shazam, he, you know, he, he's been going on about that and they've been going on about that since 2008, which is when I sort of like relaunched Sci-Fi Pulse on that and re, yeah. kind of rebranded it to, to, to do comics as well as TV and film. You know, that, that's, how, that's how far back it goes. It probably goes even further back than that. Is, is you know another one that keeps cropping up is um, a Flash Gordon movie. How many <laughs> times have I reported about uh, about a Flash Gordon movie, and how many times has a has a production of that changed hands? Yeah. Crazy. I think um, my guess on the mystery hero might be the Alan Scott Green Lantern. That'd be yeah, cool. That would, that would be cool. That would yeah. Be cool. Oh, you could have the Wong. You could have the Wongy West Flash. Mm, no, nah, he would debut in Flash, not Legends of Tomorrow. Mm. Yeah, or, or may, maybe you could pick up the uh, Silver Age Flash at a different point. You know, given that Silver Age Flash is kind of technically Zoom. Yeah, well, is he? <laughs> I guess that's the question. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's a whole can of worms about that that I'll probably come back to. But What's going the... back to the the Supergirl finale, the, the biggest I guess the biggest problem I had was it was building up to this <laughs> impossible suicide mission, and then the thing that you saw was just really easy. Yeah, but that's that's a problem that a lot of these shows have. They they build it up, and the the actual resolution is not that. Yeah, and it was, I mean, it never occurred to me at the time, it was only through someone speaking to me, that it, it was actually, the result of the fight was unclear, because they thought that, um, my friend thought that um, Kara had killed Non, but if she had killed Non, she wouldn't be like, yay, we won! She would be more like, oh God, what have I done? 
Uh-huh. No, she lo- she lobotomized Anon. Yeah, that was the term that, that was that was the term that uh, I saw in the postmortem articles. Yeah, well, I mean, I took it that he's at least blind, and yeah. she's probably not that bothered about that. But if she had killed him, it would have been yeah, no, a far different reaction. Yeah, far different. Non, non was he the was he like the uh, dumb oafish one in the in super in in Superman two? Yes, and the Supergirl yeah. version has probably even less personality. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't know that was possible, but <laughs> so, so basically, um, did he did he get his uh, personality at British Home Stores? No, that's, that's really <laughs> sorry, that's a really bad joke. Um, considering British Home Stores has gone into administration today, thanks to yeah. thanks to the uh, to the Conservative government. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but moving on. <laughs> Yeah. I think um, yeah, I think getting rid of Astra so soon and sticking with Non was a really bad idea. Yeah, I mean, I like the I like the shades of you know Indigo perhaps manipulating him to do what she wanted and stuff, but it didn't come across that strongly. It just seemed no. like they were doing things because you know they're bad guys and have to do things. Mm. You know, yeah. him going from okay, we're going to use mind control to get everyone on Earth working on all these problems to well, let's amplify the signal and kill them all. You know, yeah. those don't connect. No, they don't. And you know, if the signal wore off, then why would amplifying it suddenly kill them? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so how far are we behind on Supergirl now in in the UK? Because um, I can't remember the last ha- one. I can't remember what happened in the last episode. Now it's sort of like. Um... I think the last episode I can actually remember seeing had Toy Man in it. That's quite far back. Yeah, mm. ways. But I think there's been one episode on since then. So that that I've just not it's just not stuck in my mind. So yeah. I think you know. I don't know. There's probably probably at least eight episodes to go. Mm, that sounds about right because it took them about eight weeks to come back to it. Yeah. It was, you know, it was even, they're even slow to bring it back on than were with Arrow and Flash, and they're about three yeah. or four weeks behind on that. Uh, Toy Man was in episode ten, so if there's been one more since then, there's another seven. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that's seven more weeks. I've eight. I've got eight. To... I can't count. It's probably yeah, it's eight. Mm. <laughs> That's eight more weeks. I've got to look forward to, um, or or something. Just watch for something to do on Friday night because there's nothing on. <laughs> the episode with the Flash and it's good though. Yes, and it got the highest ratings, which is a double-edged sword because it's it's awesome that it got the highest ratings and gave them a ratings boost. But if your highest-rated episode is the crossover episode with another another hero from a show that films in a completely different city, they can't do that very often. Yeah, but if they make the um, next year's crossover, you know, a four-night event of Crisis on Infinite Earths, then suddenly, you know, Supergirl becomes part of the, that universe. And true, true. That's fine. And then yeah. you can just have different characters turn up. That, that'd be doable. I mean, what, maybe, you know, I'm just wondering if, if they, you know, if, if they will actually, if they'll actually move it to CW or, or is that they, just well, not doable? They, they, should, they should have moved it to the CW. What happened was um, Pedowitz, the CW president, um, got his knickers in a twist, to borrow a phrase from you guys, uh, and decided he did not want any more DC shows because he did not want the CW's brand diluted any more than it already was with the, than it, with the, CW, with the uh, DC shows because the DC shows were just there to broaden the demographic but not to actually launch a DC network. Yeah, and that was before the um, that was actually before they officially announced Legends of Tomorrow as well. So, oh God! Yeah, so then they 
he said that, then they announced another DC show. Well, may, maybe Legends of Tomorrow was actually in the planning stages and he knew about it when he made that statement. Well, they were working on another Arrow spin-off with um, Brandon Routh for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they realised they liked him and wanted to do more of them. Yeah, and the thing is, Brandon Routh, um, you know, he's, he's, he's done pretty good good for himself since, since Superman. I mean, I've seen him in quite a few things. Yeah, I mean, it's only really been Legends of Skinnerman uh, and Scott Pilgrim, of course. Mm. Um, but other than that, yeah, I, you know, I think he's really good at what he does. He played a pretty good villain in Chuck. Yeah, I know he was in that, but I never watched yeah. that. Yeah, I, I used to love. I used to love that show. It was just so like it was kind of like Jerry Lewis meets James Bond. It was just hilarious. <laughs> Um, you know, better than Big Bang Theory. <laughs> That's not hard these days. Yeah, well, Big Big Bang Theory has been, you know, been on too long. It's it's probably nearing its nearing its sell by date, to be honest. Oh, definitely. Mm. Okay, so uh, Supergirl. Now it's Legends of Tomorrow. Um, is there any other shows you guys want to discuss before we go on to Legends? No, I think we can no. go on to Legends. Yeah, Shield is kind of in a bit of a holding pattern at the moment, although the the last episode was particularly good. Yeah, yeah, I think, but I think we can discuss Shield once once that arc comes more to fruition and we actually see where they're going. Mm, well, Plus, when they tie it into Civil War as well, I'm interested yeah. to see how that happens. With, with Shield, though, um, we're we're kind of up to um, see um, the Powers Booth character. He, he he was he was under the strong belief that he was going to be killed because he had that vision that he's going to be killed, and um, he saw like. Um, Started he is to call, dead now. Started he's dead to call, now. Yeah, I know, I know that now. But he started to call you up to the to the uh, sun, the, the Sandman character, mm-hmm. the, and um, and and the Sandman characters sort of like um, kind kind of um, possessed his daughter or killed his daughter. Yeah, when when she um, when, when Hive killed his daughter, I thought that was that was really really good because it just showed that Hive does not care about humans at all. You mm-hmm. know, he will. And he just, you know, he just killed, um, I forget his name, Malik's daughter right in front of him just to see how he'd react. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to prove that he's in charge and could yeah. kill him anyway. Yeah, well, that, that episode also ended with um, with, with um, Daisy um, calling in her team of Inhumans. Yes. So yes. I'm quite looking forward to seeing how that progresses next week. Yeah, it's a shame they have exactly one mission before they start with a mistrust angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got Captain America: Civil War coming out later this week as well. So I'll be I'll be renting that one, but if I get spoilers, that's okay. I've decided to rent uh, that one and Batman. I'm gonna just watch uh, X Men and uh, Suicide Squad in the theaters. So. Interesting. I would think Civil War would be the top of the list. Eh, I just I'm not interested in, in either Civil War or Batman just thematically. Uh, you know, just as a story to watch for two and a half hours. So yeah, C- Civil War's um, top of my list, um, and um, I want to see Suicide Squad. Because I'm curious to see what they'll do with it. Um, because I, you know, I remember reading the uh, 52 relaunch of Suicide Squad and thinking that was all right. I want to see Suicide Squad if, if, if only just to find out why it was they needed to sacrifice Arrow's version of Floyd Lawton for this. Yeah, because I actually because got attached. That's why yeah. I got attached. I got attached to him, and I, and I want to know what's it was worth it. <laughs> so, yeah. well, how, anno- how annoying is a uh, Foxy's reveal today of a surprise guest in the X Men? Oh, yeah. With the, with the latest trailer, it reveals that a character that I assumed would probably be in it, but isn't, but wasn't sure. And I was, I was kind of hoping to be surprised, but now no longer. I didn't even yeah. have to see the trailer to have it spoiled. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, while we're on while we're on the subject of X Men, um, the 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 um, lady that originally played Jean Grey, it's Famke Famke Jansen or Famke Jensen. I can't announce her name. Famke Jansen. Famke Jensen. Um, yeah. um, she she's actually um, she's actually said that she'd love to play Jean Grey again, and she kind of thinks it's sexist that they've recast a younger. <laughs> What she's well, still you know, gonna when you're when you're casting teenage versions of the character, it's it's a good idea to cast younger actresses. Mm. I would say, yeah, really. I, think, I, think, I think she's just annoyed that the younger actress gets to do the dark the dark phoenix saga because the, the the educated rumor is that the next uh, X Men film is going to be the dark the dark phoenix saga. Yeah, and yeah, they've done, done properly this time. Yeah, I can, yes. I can see why she'd be ticked off about that because. Um, you know, let's face it, in Last Stand, they, they kind of completely botched the Dark Phoenix thing. Oh, completely. Thing. I mean, completely enough how, to me. You know, I marvel at how they even managed to structurally turn the Dark Phoenix saga into a subplot of one film. Yeah. Well, the, problem with them, the problem I have with them doing it next is, you know, we've only just been introduced to this version of Jean Grey. So that's a, that's a lot of power for her to get a hold of in the space of one film, really. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be good if she was kicking about for a couple of films, but like like was happening in the in the last lot, you know. Yeah, the before the, the... the counter argument to that is casting. Um, they cast yeah. Sophie Turner, and I know having watched her on Game of Thrones that she has range. I mean, we're talking serious range. She's one of those. She's one of those precocious child actors that you look at and go, "Holy crap! How did you do that?" Mm-hmm. And so, and so from the at, at the at the at the meta level, you look at Sophie Turner and you know she can play Dark Phoenix. You know she can do it. Yeah, but that that said, yeah. on on Game of Thrones, she's you know she's probably one of the uh, the least developed characters. I think that's probably going to change. No. Although, I mean, they're bound to have cast these young actors for at least three films, right? So they yeah. could have had one film of doing something else. And yeah. then, you know, did Dark Phoenix when the character was a bit more established. Mm-hmm. I mean, even have one film of her just as Phoenix. True. Mm-hmm. Before she I wonder herself. if they bring in the whole, yeah, I wonder if they'll bring in the whole Shi'ar and all that stuff. That might be a bit too I weird. I hope. I hope. Unless they were in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it probably would. <laughs> they probably won't fly. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me let me quickly ask you, Craig. Um, have you seen Batman versus Superman yet? Yes, I have indeed. Um, good, bad, indifferent. What? I, I liked it. It wasn't without its problems, and you know, there's there's probably about ten or fifteen things I would fix. But in general, I, I quite liked it. I think um, Ben Affleck's the best version of Batman we've had in live action, which I never thought I would say. But I think um, I've always thought Ben Affleck's a bit of a bland actor. So the fact that you can't tell what he's thinking or feeling actually helps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, you know, I didn't think that. But yeah, he's he's de- he's definitely believable in that role. You know, I can believe he's a he's he's a violent psychopath who doesn't display any emotion. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you know that that that's um that's just sold me on it. I'm gonna wait for it to come out on DVD. <laughs> <laughs> Quite frankly, you know. It, you know, made me look forward to Wonder Woman. Yeah, I'm sort of like, um, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to Wonder Woman too, but, you know, uh, the storyline and whatnot has absolutely nothing to do with it. <laughs> no, she's just in Batman versus Superman, and mm-hmm. you know it's it's to tease her own film, but you know she doesn't overpower the film too much with her presence. She overpowers it by being overpowered. Yeah, but, but I think her character in the film, I believe, is is the um, is, is 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 the the impetus for actually bringing Batman and Superman together, isn't it? You know, and st- she kind of stops them from fighting. No, not really. They've stopped fighting by that point, uh, and then she turns up when uh, Doomsday attacks. Spoiler oh. alert. Okay. 
Okay, so on to on to Legends of Tomorrow and Mitchell Mitchell Kuman, who we got coming up in in in, in a few minutes' time. Um, uh, his episode aired recently. Um, what was it? You know what 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 was um what was the verdict on it? Was it was it um a pretty good um episode in terms of exploring a younger heat wave or it was i i liked that they turned the terminator uh, concept into something that allowed for some character exploration the problem is that they had so many characters that they had to do that for that heat wave kind of got a little bit lost mm-hmm. um and what was interesting about that is the heat wave portion of the storyline highlighted Dominic Purcell as much as Mitchell Kuman. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of forget that Purcell can really act very well. I was, yeah, I thought those scenes were, were definitely the best, you know, where he, where he sees this kind of, um, the, this start of his formative development and, um, you know, when he realises what turns him into what he is now. You know, and the, the scene where his younger self says, you remind me of my dad. And the look he gives, that kind of shocked look to think, you know, that was what he thought he'd have just hadn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Risa, did you say um, it reminds you that Dominic Purcell can act or can act? He he can act. Right. Yeah, I just saw like I was wondering where he's going with that because I, you know, I, I think he's acting uh, really good. He, he, he does an incredible job in that episode. That's for sure. He's he's done an incredible job with this entire arc because I really like what they did with um, with the reveal of Kronos because you had said in, in several reviews, Craig, that. Kronos was this just this plot point. He showed this, showed up to screw things up, but then with doing what they did, you actually get to see Dominic Purcell organically portray different facets of Heatwave in ways that yeah, make perfect sense. Yeah, it's definitely um, yeah, it definitely went from no personality to loads of personality, and then you know the the way the way he acts, you sort of fill in the gaps of all these years that he lived yeah. as a bounty hunter for the you know for the Time Masters mm. uh, who are. Definitely the real villain of the show. Oh yeah, they're 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 so the real villain that, that they're even beginning to hint at that fact in in um, in behind the scenes articles on the topic. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean yeah. The, the the thing is the biggest misstep the episode took was it just kept it kept ignoring its own rules because it starts off with you know okay you know we have to do this because you know we can track we can track um, the pilgrim and then when she disappears it's like oh right okay let's just do this even though that contradicts what we said five minutes ago. Mm. You know, it's Rip is making up as he goes along, which means the writers are just making up as they go along. <laughs> oh, so it's a bit like Nost then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, um, just you know, you, you're you're trying to kind of resolve in your head how time travel works in this universe, and then they just they're just like, oh no, no, we can do this now. I, I was only saying that we couldn't do it because I was saying that we could do it. But... <laughs> do you do you think it's there's like, actually you know, do you think there's actually room for um for for the younger heat wave to return at some point? In the store, in the overall uh, storyline, or do you think that's probably not going to happen? I think the only time we'll see him again is when they finally return him to where he belongs. Yeah. Although they'll probably do that off screen as well. Yeah, because there's a because there's a wrinkle where all of their past selves have been removed from the timeline to keep them safe, but uh-huh. that's created some time wrinkles that are going to impact them going forward. So one of the big issues is when and how they return them. So yeah, it was it was actually really annoying because it was all about. When it moved into the I've taken all your I've taken all your loved ones hostage territory, you know, which isn't precise really, but never mind. But when you know, once the you saw the prisoner exchange of Jax's dad and then yeah. suddenly the wave rider and they've got everybody and they're just talking about them and you've got the bit where it's like, 
Stein's like, my wife doesn't recognise me. And I'm like, okay, it'd be nice to have seen that, maybe. You know. Yeah. I, I want them to use Clarissa Stein more than they do generally. She's been a potted plant in every scene we've seen her in. And she's yeah. supposed to be the love of his life. Mm. Yeah, it's just... You know, they're doing too much telling and not enough showing. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe 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 the the they're not doing or the showing is because they need to drag it out for the twenty episodes or or how many episodes that they've got. True. Well, if they needed to if they needed to drag it out, then this last story could have easily been a two parter. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were doing that earlier in the season. You know, you had three parts in the seventies, even though they only needed two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of found that. You know, I found that to be a little little bit of a. Bit of a um, bit, bit of tough, tough to follow actually. When when they spent three episodes in the seventies, because I, I just thought, you know, why, why are we still in the seventies? You know, didn't they resolve yeah, this last week? <laughs> they're lingering on the uninteresting stuff and rushing through the interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The last episode that we seen here in the UK was the one where they go back to the fifties and. Um, and and sort of like um, they're, they're all dressed up like Richie Cunningham, <laughs> and where um, where Vandal Savage makes mutant bat people because he likes to make mutant bat people mm-hmm. apparently. Yeah. He was he was the the rationale in narrative, if I remember correctly, was he was trying to recreate the Hawks for his own army, and it got kerfluid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they they turned um, they, they they turned what's wasn't he. Is it Firestorm, the, the combination of... Um, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jax, Jax, yeah. Yeah, and they turned Jax into one of these heart people. Sort of it's interesting that um, they, were, they didn't address how maybe there would be a complication with that mixing with the, the whole Firestorm stuff. Yeah, you, you would have thought. What was interesting about that episode was that it was directed by Joe Dante, as in Joe yeah. Dante. So, um, yeah, there was nothing wrong with the direction. It was just the script was a bit naff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but then that's, that's a systemic problem on a lot of these shows. The, the writing is not as good as it needs to be. Yeah, and I think Legends is a big, a, a big offender when it comes to that. You know, they've got so much potential, but they're, they haven't planned anything out, I don't think. Mm. Do you think they actually have a writer's writer's bible for these episodes? Because um, you know, even Definitely Star, not, but they should. Because once you know, even when you had Star Trek on, it seemed to be quite meandering sort of thing. But they actually had writers bibles. Yeah, um, but before they, I think before they sat down to make this show, they should have they should have you know sussed out right. Here's how time travel works. Here's what we can do. Here's what we can't do. Here's what we could do, but shouldn't. And here's you know here's what we're going to do, and it's going to be it's going to cause problems. Mm-hmm. I, I think they started out that way because there were there were articles in, in before the the show premiered discussing some of that. But I think as as the writing process progressed, they jettisoned some things. Yeah, they just need things to happen and can't figure out how to do that while establishing rules. So they just they just go for it and it doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, um, just before before we all go, um, I'm going to change topic again before before I introduce uh, uh, our interview with Mitchell. Um, there was a big announcement that weekend, um, so big that it was displayed during halftime of the FA Cup semi-final. Um, I still don't know who won that match, by the way, because I'm not really a footy fan. But they announced the uh, the new Doctor Who companion, who will not see in action till probably 2017, because I'm not sure if she's going to be in the Christmas one. Yeah, they haven't said, have they? They, they haven't, but anyway, it's... Um, it's if she pit- is, it'll be like a minute at the end, probably, yeah. just to establish that she's there. It's an actress called Pearl Mackie. She's relatively new. Um, she's only had. A, she's coming off to it only after a few roles. Um, and she's playing a character called Bill. So I'm just wondering what you guys think about that. Someone, someone pointed out that um, 
that uh, William Hartnell died the day that they made the companion announcement and that the, her her name was probably an homage to William Hartnell. Yeah, yeah William Hartnell died years ago. <laughs> on, on that day. Oh, so. on that day. On that day. On that day, for many years ago. Yeah. Mm. Well, you know, sort of like uh, I just don't, I don't get the uh, the name Billy. It's such an unusual name for a woman. <laughs> her, 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 her full name is probably Wilhelmina. Yeah, yeah it's a sh- just a well, it's another shortening of Billy, isn't it? Essentially, yeah. um, based on that two minute clip that they released, I'm not all that enthusiastic. But I thought she I'm just not, seemed I'm like I'm not either. I'm not either. I thought she seemed like that kind of typical mouthy companion type and. It's impossible to judge based on a two-minute clip, but it's that kind of annoying Moffat staple of let's run and make quips and, you know, they're not funny and mm. let's have the Doctor acting weird and explaining what Daleks are and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I... let's, tr- let's try and make her clever by noticing that they can't fit through a given door, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm not sure about her either. I mean, it's like it's... Um... Because they've kind of um, they kind of hinted that she's from the future in in, in some of the articles sort of thing. Um, but she's, she'll be from present day London. They but, all are. But I I I think she's just going to be from present day London. I mean, there's no way she's from the future. They they wouldn't do anything that interesting. Um, no, no. Because they don't want to sort of screw with the American audience. Yeah, I always thought that um, the Doctor should have picked Clara up from whenever he met her in that Christmas special. Yeah, I personally think that 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 is what he should have done because that would have been more interesting because she would have been out of time, and uh, more 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 amazed by what she'd seen. Yeah, I mean, I think that particularly after two seasons of Peter Capaldi, the audience knows that version of the Doctor well enough that they could chuck in a left field companion and people would go with it. I think. Yeah, the, the unfortunate thing is that with with the exception of of things like the relaunch of Tenth Doctor audios and Big Finish with with uh, Donna as a companion that we know, the most interesting companions are actually Big Finish right now. Mm-hmm. So. Mm, true. And, you know, I think think the BBC needs to pay attention to what Big Finish are doing in terms of companions. I mean, my, fav- my favourite Big Finish companion um, is actually a, a, a one-season companion that travelled with the Fifth Doctor and Perry uh, called Aramem. She her her arc was uh, fascinating. Uh, she started out as an uncrowned female pharaoh in in Egypt, and ended up the queen of Peladon. Wow. <laughs> yes, and I I really liked that for uh, several reasons. First of all, it was finally it was really cool given given the history that the Doctor had with the planet of Peladon that one of his companions finally married into that royal house, and it was also very cool because. Um, in addition to being awesome as a character in herself, because she was an uncrowned female pharaoh who was literally trained by at birth, from birth to lead and to think politically and to look at the universe politically, um, she did, they did some storytelling with her that they could not have done with any other companion. Mm. Um, they they really did some really cool stuff. It it kind of it kind of puts me in mind of the um, of of the you know that arc that you just talked about. That it kind of puts me in mind of the of the blown potential that they could have had with uh, Nissa. Nissa, my, my, one of my favorite classic companions. Her introduction is the best companion introduction they ever had, and they blew it. Mm. Because they, they could have they could have done a whole political story out with her, you know, with with her being from a ruling class sort of family. They they could have sort of like, um, you know, done 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 much more interesting stuff with her than than they did. But they ended up sort of portraying her as a well, it's just like a huge wasted opportunity. She ended up being sort of like the damsel in distress. Yeah, and they they did some of that again with Big Finish. Um, Big Finish actually ended up writing this more effectively than the show did. 
Um, that could almost be said across the board for any any established classic character you name. Um, so, in, including some of the modern stuff, because you and I both adored the uh, the unit series that they did uh, more than some of the unit stuff that they did on the show itself. Yeah, it was because it was because in the unit series that they did, they 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 sort of like managed to get all the, all the good character beats in there that they that they were completely missing in the TV series. Yeah, you know, because again, they're kind of <clears throat> they're kind of dumbing Doctor Who down for the American audience. Um, yeah, you know, for the mass American audience, you know. Whereas Big Big Finish is writing for the more hardcore fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if the TV pandered to the hardcore fans, then probably nobody would watch it. So you know, there's got to be a middle ground somewhere. Yeah, th- th- but the thing is, they've gone too far over to pandering to the uh, to, to the um, sort of like mass audience. Yeah, the last season they did some pretty pretty clever and interesting stuff. Frankly, um, the, the, the problem with Clara is that she should have died when everyone said she was going to, when she walked into his time stream. Yeah, and her act wasn't even resolved. No. Yeah, that still really annoys me. And, yes. you know, it's sort of like, it's kind of like, uh, for all we know, she's still alive, travelling with the uh, with the Game of Thrones girl. Yeah. You know? Oh, well, she definitely is, because she refuses to go back to that moment, doesn't she? But mm-hmm. what I think will probably happen is, because Stephen Moffat said that, this his last episodes are going to be a valentine to the fans and stuff like that which probably means it's going to be horrible but the um what i think will probably happen is the universe will be imploding and he'll meet up with clara again who has to choose to go back to the moment she died otherwise the entire universe will implode yeah you heard it here first Mm -hmm. yeah I hate to say this, Risa, but I think in terms of the compromise, um, I think the compromise of Dot 2 and weight worked best most effectively was, um, sorry to say, but I think it was when Russell T. Davis was in charge. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think he had more consistently good stories Mm -hmm. under his belt. And, um, you know, occasionally his season arcs were actually arcs instead of, you know, mentions. Mm -hmm. I mean, Bad Wolf was pretty bad, but... Torchwood kind of built over the season. The Saxon arc was was very very good. But well, but I think that was I think that was actually the best compromise. Uh, looking back, um, which is kind of funny given that you know a lot of lot of fans were actually slating Russell T Davis for 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 all the kitchen sink drama stuff. And, I, and I, I hate that very much. I am not a fan of the kitchen sink drama, so I will always slate him for that. But I agree in terms of if you if you look at it structurally, his writing was probably better, mm-hmm. which I, I never he, thought I would say. And he moved away from um, that sort of stuff once once they got out of season one. Anyway, for by and large, you know, I think um, they did the right thing by grounding it a bit in season one. So you know, keep them close to Earth, keep them close to Rosie's family, so that this alien stuff can be gradually reintroduced. And mm-hmm. then once once they got away from that, they started telling some interesting stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, I mean, the good thing about Stephen Moffat is I like the way he, he harks back to the original Doctors, but maybe, maybe, just maybe, perhaps he does it a little bit too often and relies on it a little bit too much as a crutch. He's also trying to tell, well, he's trying to tell clever stories in inverted commas, but they're actually quite stupid because they're not that well thought out. Mm-hmm. And the, the sciencey wincey goes a little bit um, wibbly-wobbly. Yeah, there is no science in Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not these days. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's an interesting discussion. I think we're just going to have to do a Doctor Who, you know, a long Doctor Who discussion Um Maybe maybe before Christmas where we can sort of just touch on all this and maybe talk about some of the stuff that's sort of like coming up. Yeah, I do think that, you know, it's a bit too soon to judge this new companion based on a, a two-minute clip. Um, and um, I'm interested to see how it goes and 
what she's like and you know where and when she comes from as well yeah, yeah. I, I think she's a bit of a cop out ring because we're talking about uh, casting um, the the uh, one one the Indian lady, the young Indian woman from from EastEnders. I I would have actually preferred that because we've never had an Asian companion. Before. Well, that's what I was thinking. I was also thinking that you know with 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 all the uh, with all the hatred going around uh, towards sort of like Muslims in general, it would have been a great opportunity to have had you know sort of like um, like a, like a good solid role model uh, for Muslim women on, 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 on Doctor Who or something like that. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I, I honestly thought that's what we were getting. I thought that's what the announcement was going to be. So. Mm-hmm. Although I don't credit Moffat with enough sensitivity to handle the handle the character that well, if that was what he did. I mean, you could imagine this whole, you know, you would have all this al- these allegories about... Um, Oh look, it's not you know it's not the entire race that does this. It's just these few people. You know, there would there'd be episodes like that. Mm-hmm. True. Um, I I just I just think he would end up being accused of racism within about three or four episodes. Yeah, you know, it's got the subtlety of a sledgehammer. I yeah, I think just... it probably would be more interesting to sort of maybe go into some of the uh, Muslim mythology. You know, from yeah, from their from yeah. their homey homey books and stuff like that, and maybe used. You use some of that as as a, as a premise for a song like a new alien of the week, whether it's a, an evil uh, villainous alien or or something that song like a little bit more, um, should we say, malevolent. Well, you know, it would also give the the opportunity for the doctor to crap on her entire belief system. Mm. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I was there. That didn't happen like that. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, true. Oh, Mohammed, oh. nice man. That kind of thing. You know. Yeah. Or, or may, maybe they could actually do it in such a way that he wasn't there because mm. that that that'd be that'd be um, that'd be a completely different direction for them to take with Doctor Who, you know, fi- find a period in, in history or time and space where he actually wasn't there, where he doesn't know what he's getting into, yeah, and stuff yeah, like it'd be, that. It'd be, it'd be funny if she said, "Can we go back and meet Muhammad?" And he's like, "No, <laughs> I'll never hear the end of it. We're not going there." <laughs> Okay, well, I think that's, um, you know, we're, we're about talked out uh, for this week. Uh, thanks, Risa and uh, Craig, for joining me as always. Now it's time for uh, our, our interview with, uh, with, with fantastic Mitchell Cunning. Vandal Savage, an evil dictator blessed with immortality. He has achieved what no one in human history ever has. He has conquered the entire planet. And you are... Rip Hunter. I'm from East London. Oh, and the future. I've been tasked with assembling an elite team to travel through time, to capture Savage before he grows into the monster he becomes. Of all the people who ever lived, I chose you eight. I certainly hope that you won't let me and the world down. I can get behind that. It's time to start growing, so it's going to get a little rough. Okay, I'd like to welcome um, a very special guest this week, uh, Mitchell Cummin. Um, you know, he's a he's a young up and coming actor, um, sixteen years old, and he's done more um, in in recent years than than, than a most adult actors do. So, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, so you're more than welcome. You know, so I've been looking forward to talking to you. Um, from, I'm looking from, forward to talking to you. From what I've seen. <laughs> 
Um, I've been sort of like, uh, you know, one, one of the first questions they always ask is, how did you actually get into acting? Was it something you kind of always wanted to do? Because it's sort of like it's... Well, my entire life, I've been sort of a, a performer in my own way, right? Like running around, like every time I play a video game, yeah. and so I still do it sometimes, I, I act out what just happened in the video game, right? I used to do that all the time. But my favorite actor, and I haven't seen some of, like, there's must-see movies that you have to see, you know, like like Matrix is one of them, movies like that. Lion King, I've never seen those movies because my entire childhood was spent watching Jackie Chan movies. Wow. And so I remember one day when I was eight, I went up to my mom and I said, hey, mom, how do I become an actor? And she said facetiously while peeling potatoes, she was like, I don't know, I don't know, uh, Oh, yeah, I said, how do I get to meet Jackie Chan? And, and while she was peeling potatoes, she said facetiously, I don't know, become an actor. So there was an open casting call for a um, TV show that I was shooting in Winnipeg, which is where I was born and raised. Um, and my dad took me to it, and we kind of just thought, okay, well, um, it's just a phase I'm going through, and then he'll, he'll stop eventually. It didn't stop. I I went for the open casting call, and they loved me, and they booked me, and the rest is history from there. And it was just it was such a great experience, and I'm really glad I got into the business because I, I really love it. Mm. Well, you know, from what from what I've seen of your of your uh, IMDb profile, you've done a hell of a lot of work. You've done a lot of different things. Uh, you've done a lot of uh, genre shows. You've done you you did ten episodes. Was it you did a season of When Calls the Heart, which is that Canadian sort of like romance um, drama type thing? It's it's like a new Little House on the Prairie, I would say. Yeah, um, it was directed. The season I did was directed actually by Michael Landon Jr., who is a fantastic man, a great director, and um, so it's got that Little House on the Prairie connection too. And it's a it's a period piece about. Uh, a Mountie and his romance with a teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's doing really well. I think it's on its fourth season now. Yeah, yeah. I've got to admit, I've actually, I've actually been guilty of actually watching that when it's actually because I show it on daytime television here, and I'm a musician, so when I'm actually home and it's on, I, I actually set my TiVo for it because I quite enjoy it. So it's just easy television. It's not, it's not too complicated or too hard. Yeah, I like it. I've. I've met a lot of fans over the years, and the fans are absolutely wonderful. We had a meet and greet one time, and one of them came in from China, and they are just so dedicated and awesome. I love them so much. They're called the Hardys. All oh, right, um, I'm not. I'm not quite that that into it. It's just something I like watching the casual sort of thing, you know. Um, but it's quite quite an enjoyable uh, series uh, from from what I've seen. I can I can see why it'd have a cool following. Now. Yeah, it has a really cool following. Mm-hmm. They're really great. So Jackie Chan, hey, um, yes. have you, have, you know, would, would is he someone you'd still like to work with if you had the opportunity? Can you? Absolutely. Even if I don't work with him, just to meet him would be an honor for me. <laughs> I have a list of people I'd like to work with, and he's definitely on the top of that list. And underneath him is probably Johnny Depp because I think Johnny Depp has this huge, huge, huge acting range. And the one, the one thing that I love about Johnny Depp is he brings himself to every single character he does, and he can make the most, the most outlandish, um, out there ideas and situations completely real. Like when, what, what are the odds that you're ever going to be a pirate stuck on a ship, right? Mm-hmm. But he can take, he can take that outlandish idea 
and make it completely real and believable and make it an awesome movie, right? I love that about him. Yeah, he's one of my favourite actors as well. And I remember him way, way back in the 80s when he did 21 Jump Street, the TV series. Um, but um, I don't know if you've seen this film. It's one of his early ones. Um, if you if you can get it on DVD, you should check out Benny and June. Oh, okay. It's a, it's a very unusual sort of like romance movie. It's you know, it's a lot of it's done with mime. <laughs> so it's a, really cool. Um, so um, you know, a big big movie you 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 actually did, and this was kind of really the one that you know broke you onto the scene was Horns, where you played the uh, the younger version of Daniel Radcliffe's character. Um, yes. What What was that night for you as an experience? Um, and did you actually get to meet Radcliffe as well, or did you shoot on different days? It was absolutely one of my favorite experiences ever. The kids, the six kids, were all still such great friends um, to this day. Um, and yes, I did get to meet Daniel. Um, he's absolutely like a wonderful guy. If you're going to pick anybody to be a role model, I would definitely suggest him. He's He's absolutely one of the most wonderful people I've ever met in my life. So humbling. And I had a chance to meet his parents and I had a chance to tell his parents that they've done a fantastic job of raising him. Um, and uh, it was a great experience because I, I felt like I felt like I belonged in a place that seemed that I didn't belong, you know, because here's all here's Daniel Radcliffe, who's this huge guy, huge celebrity. Right. And at first I was like, I was like. How am I, like, I don't want to get starstruck, right? But when you're working with them and you meet people like Daniel, you realize that they're just humans like you, right? And and you build this you build this bond that just, on, on a set like that, you build this bond that's just unbreakable. And you feel like, you feel like part of the gang, which is what I really loved about that set. Yeah, I think, I think you, you get that on pretty mo- most good sets. I mean, I, I've done a bit of acting myself, but I, I was basically in theatre. Um, years and years ago, I've not done anything about fifteen years because I'm more of a musician now. <laughs> but um, you know, what w- difference is um, on on films? Obviously, you're only a family for that short time. They're actually together, and then, yeah. and then the onus is on on you to sort of stay in contact. Whereas I was actually with a theatre company for about three years, <laughs> so um, so that that became more like a dysfunctional family. <laughs> Um, sort of thing, but it's it's a good experience, nonetheless. Um, and it was a great it was a great film. I loved shooting it. Um, I loved meeting new directors, new people, new crew. I loved that. That was awesome. Well, looking through your website earlier, I, I actually found a pretty cool video of you uh, talking about a project that you did with some friends in order to raise awareness of uh, mental health. Um, and I'm just wondering, have you had to play a role yet where your character has some sort of mental health problem? Or, or, and if not, is it something you'd actually consider having a go at? Yes, I have played a character who's had some mental health issues. I did a cop show called Shattered, where I played the younger version of Callum Keith Rennie. And uh, I had a split personality disorder because I had been abused as a kid, right? Wow. So Shattered is basically about this cop who has to deal with having a split personality while trying to arrest people, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, he could play... He could really be good cop, bad cop all in one because of his split personalities. But I'm not sure if they did that in an episode. But anyways, so that was... And my character is the one where you first get to see his split personality, right? You first get to see how it became, how it came to be, right? Living in an abusive home. Um, but I think... 
there's people underestimate mental illness a lot, like uh, depression. Um, people just kind of, you know, shove it under the rug. Um, it's to the point where I, I went, I have a lot of friends who suffer from depression and mm -hmm. they have told me that people don't listen to them. So I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll try something out. I went to my school and I, and I told people I had depression to see what they would do. And a lot of them just basically said, that's not something you're supposed to tell people. That's not something you're supposed to say out loud. And I was kind of appalled at that reaction. The, the fact that we, we have a standard that you, that you're not supposed to tell people you have depression. No, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. Because if you don't tell people that you have depression or something like that, then you're going to sit in your room with your thoughts and that could lead to something very, very serious that nobody wants to happen. But if you tell people, they can help you through it. Mm -hmm. And, and that's where I feel we need to get the awareness out because we're losing fantastic people to, to mental illness. Like we just lost Robin Williams last year yeah, to depression. I was really sad about that, but yeah, it, and it was something he, he was, he was a great advocate for mental illness as well because yeah. he, he's always very open about his problems in, in interviews and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, I definitely think it needs way more aware awareness than it has because I've lost a couple friends to depression too. So mm. it's a really scary thing, but I feel like if we all decide that it is something serious that shouldn't be taken lightly, then um, then it, it can get fixed. Absolutely, and 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 the other thing is, uh, you know, uh, people in 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 employment situations and stuff like that need to learn that there isn't a quick fix. That you know, some people may not be able to like uh, be reliable and turn up on time every day, or or, or stuff like that. Um, you know, with, with various uh, various different mental illnesses. I actually work um, one one of the jobs I do. I'm, I'm volunteer at a, a well-being centre here in in Manchester. So I work with people that have mental health problems every day. Um, you know, helping helping them learn music and stuff. Well, that's the thing. When someone has mental health. I think you really, really, uh, mental health issues, you really need to help them rather than what, what most people do is kind of like ignore them. Like I've, I've noticed a lot of people when they see somebody in a wheelchair who's disabled or, or somebody who's not quite, you know, like the rest of the people in society, they kind of just try to avoid them as much as possible or, or they, they don't appreciate them as much as they do someone else. And I think that's where there's this whole stigma about, oh, you're not supposed to tell people that because people don't want to deal with it. People don't want to deal with the fact that there's something going on with someone, you know, and I feel like if we all just did our part and helped, the world would be a much better place for, you know, mental health, people with mental health issues, people with disabilities, you know, because for everybody, really, because um, I, I think it's a problem that we just because, you know, there's a saying where it's like, even if you're not involved in the problem, you're not involved in the solution either. Like being a bystander, not doing anything is sometimes worse than doing something, mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. And, you know, I think, I think that's, you know, this, uh, this, this is something that, you know, when I was looking at your website, it really impressed me about you because you're, you're like only, what, 16? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and you, you, you've, you're kind of, you know, at 16, you're advocating for people uh you know that that have mental health issues and, and depression and stuff like that whereas you, you know a great many 16 year olds probably wouldn't be doing that sort of thing so you know it's just sort of like uh, something that really impressed impressed me about you thank so. you yeah um i just i i've lost a lot of people to mental mental illness and uh so it's something i really advocate um because it's it's dear to me you know so Absolutely. yeah I, I i get that and i i really respect that um 
Um, question I'm dying to ask. I'm dying to ask you about this. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow. I'm a comic book fan. <laughs> I love the DC shows. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sort of like a, a big geek, so I love these shows. And you're going to be uh, playing um, in, in a coming episode. It's actually coming up this week. That's correct, CW. yes. Um, and it's probably going to air in a couple of weeks' time here in the UK as well. Uh, you're going to be playing the young Mick Rory, uh, Firestorm. Um, how did you find that experience? I mean, that, that young Heatwave, awesome. actually. He- Heatwave, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so good. How did I, pardon? How did you find that 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 that, that whole whole thing, the, the situation working on that show? It was absolutely fantastic. I loved working with Rachel, who's the director. Um, she was a fantastic director. The thing I really liked is the cast treated me like I was one of them, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I showed up on set and people like uh, Katie and Franz, they treated me like I was, like I had been there the, the entire season. You know, Dominic, um, they, they treated me like I had been there the entire season and like I was one of them, which I really, really, really loved. Um, and uh, I was just there for a short couple of days and I can, I can say that it was a great, great, great experience, great set. Um, and I can tell, I haven't, I've watched a couple episodes, but before I had watched a couple episodes, I was on set, and I could tell just from being on set that it was going to be a great series, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, the couple of episodes that I've been watching recently, there's been a lot. I'm going to shoot this phone in a minute. <laughs> my, my phone's going off in the background here. A um, couple of episodes I've seen recently, um, Heatwave has, has been through, through the grinder a little bit. Um, as in he's been sort of like barred from the team in the last episode that I've seen. Um, so I'm just wondering if any of those events um, actually need up to, you know, tie into what you're doing. I, first, I don't know if I'm allowed to say. Okay. But, um, but I can tell you that um, you'll find out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I do, I do know that um, from what I've read on on the um, description uh, that 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 song I keep picks things up when when Heatwave Mick is first song I starting to play with fire and, and become fascinated by it sort of thing yeah well you know it's, it's an intriguing it's an intriguing character um, it very much is yeah character. I was reading the script and I was like man this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, um, from from what I can see, you know, you've you've done done a lot of work on science fiction and fantasy shows um, in 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 the past few years. Um, is this actually by design, or is it just the fact that there's a lot of them that actually just shoot in Canada? <laughs> to be honest, um, I think it's just that there's a lot of stuff that shoots in Canada. Um, uh, you know, sci-fi shows are fun, but I never was like, you know, I want to, I want to do mainly sci-fi. It just is just something that happened. Mm-hmm. And I think sci-fi is really fun because there's a lot of neat stuff you can do, like, um, that you wouldn't normally be able to do. Like in a normal cop show, you wouldn't be able to fly, right? Absolutely. You wouldn't be able to knock someone back with telekinesis, you know? So I, I, sci-fi is really fun for me, you know, but it just, it's just something that sort of happened because our dollar is down. I think the, uh, the showbiz industry is the only industry that's happy that our dollar's down because we're like, yay, more stuff is going to come shoot here. Mm-hmm. And then when more stuff comes and shoots here, uh, our dollar starts to slowly go up. So that's why a lot of things are coming down to Canada to shoot is because it's cheaper. So how long have you been working now um, as an actor? Is it eight years, something like that? Almost nine years, yeah. Damn. And, you know, my life. <laughs> been pretty steady as well. It has been, yes. I've been very lucky and very fortunate, very grateful mm-hmm. for the work that I've been getting. 
Okay, well, as a young actor, is there anyone, say, other than Jackie Chan that you'd love to work with? You know, I know you've got a miss, but you can, you can run a few names off if you want. <laughs> ah, well, I think a better question is who don't I want to work with? Um, <laughs> there's uh, Johnny Depp. I'd love to work with Brad Pitt. I'd love to work with Leonardo DiCaprio. I'd love to work with Sylvester Stallone. I'd love to work with... Mark Wahlberg, I'd love Denzel Washington, I'd love to work oh, with. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Morgan Freeman, I'd love to work with. Pretty much. Oh, uh, Will Ferrell, I'd love to work with. Um, pretty much uh, everyone in the industry. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting. You not had a, a another fellow Canadian on that list, uh, William Shatner. <laughs> oh yeah, how did I forget about <laughs> William Shatner? Um, yeah, he'd be an awesome one to work with too. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Sonic, um, you know, and, and he's, he's, he's a bit of a laugh as well. And he does, uh, you know, he, he does music really badly, so. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm a singer as well. I'm a part of, um, partly a musician as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I'm a guitarist, so. <laughs> oh, I'm learning guitar right now. <laughs> um, I mainly sing, but I'm learning guitar right now. Yeah, you never stop learning guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine <laughs> that's how I feel with acting and and singing. You know, you never stop learning. Even some people like uh, like Brad Pitt. You know, I've seen interviews with people that where they say I'm I've done this many movies. I don't know, a hundred and something, and uh, and I never stop learning. I'm like, man, you've got your you've like made it to the pinnacle of of the acting industry, and you haven't stopped learning. Man, I've got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um out out of the roles that you've played so far, do you have a favorite? Yeah. I'd have to say my favorite is probably Ig Parish on Horns. Mm-hmm. Um just because I really liked the character arc, um and the, the storyline of kind of Ig's character. Um how uh how he he's, he fell in love at such a young age and how that translates into the movie and and the whole horns or ordeal and the cross and everything, just how it kind of fits together, you know? So it's basically like every object is meaningful. And I, and I love that, you know, and I think Joe Hill is absolutely a phenomenal writer. Um, I think uh, Alex is a fantastic director and, and the people I worked with also made it a great experience. And I think that's why it's my favorite role. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any uh, new roles and new things on the horizon that you can talk about that, that are coming up? Um, I've got Motive coming out in May, which is a cop show. Um, I think that's it for right now. Okay. Well, uh, Mitchell, thanks a lot for speaking to me. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you uh, so much for having me. It was fun. everybody, this is Nick Tarabay, uh, Asher and uh, Spartacus, Gods of the Arena, Spartacus Blood and Sand, and the new Spartacus as well, and uh, I'm here at SFP now, keep listening and keep watching, thank you so much. And that about wraps things up for this week folks, um, as always, um, Thanks to Reese and Craig for uh, helping out at the start of the program. And also thanks to uh, Mitchell coming for, um, for agreeing to be our guest this week. Um, 
that's all we've got time for this week. Um, remember, we have um, another show, great show on this channel called John Retainment, which is hosted by Marks and Junior Pyle. Um, so to, you know, tune in for episodes of that or to uh, look for our back catalogue of shows, uh, you can head on over to www.scifipulseradio.com or you can just do a search for Sci-Fi Pulse Radio um, on your iTunes. And we're also on, you know, we, we, we get around. So, you know, tune in and, um, you know, give us some of your support. And we'll continue to try and bring you, um, you know, some of the great guests that we've been bringing you. Thanks for now. Bye.